Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Now, on with the show. I'm going to read the top 10 articles again. <laughs> um, this time in chronological order. Nope. I have good news for you, by the way. What's good news? Good news is like stuff you hear and it makes you happy. <laughs> what is it? Taco Bell has finally gotten into to the chip game. Oh, make a run for the border? It's not a really good slogan anymore, is it? No, because of the wall. Put a pin in that thought, though, okay. because that's what some we might that might come up later. But yeah, um. I, I just when I bought our big gulps, I bought a little baggie of Taco Bell spicy chips. Oh, like they mar- they're like in well, the stores. Yeah, now, in the stores. They're Taco Bell. They look like giant sauce packets. You ate them already because you don't want me to see it? No, because they're really hot and I don't want you to try it and hurt your little baby mouth. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Welcome back to Reverse Psychology. <laughs> this is our podcast. The podcast that we only, we, when we only talk about psychology and things related to psychology and, and sometimes Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Um, which I, is, Taco Bell is one of the, the pillars of good mental health. Did you know that? Taco Bell. Well, I would have been really healthy in high school then part of your mental health came from going to therapy part of it from the bean and cheese burritos the 10 packs of tacos do you remember those (laughs) yeah they still do those (laughs) they do you can can get a you can go to a taco bell with any reusable bag and say fill her up and they'll just put as many burritos as they can in there (laughs) no they'll charge you for each one of them they don't do the 10 pack of tacos anymore though i think they they have the long box still no they just come in a bag now those are burritos you can get tacos though One time when I was playing D&D, I bought a big bag of tacos, big bag of burritos. And this is stuff that no one wants to talk about. No one wants to listen to. <laughs> People are going, oh, thank God I tuned in. Oh, good. All right. Let's get to it then. I'm Dr. Diana. I'm a, I'm a licensed psychologist and board certified behavior analyst. And I'm Dr. Mike. I'm a clinical psychologist. Cool. And we have finally answered the question on everyone's mind. Who is Mike are and Diana? Are we making it to the new year? What? Yeah. That was my favorite thing this week. Yeah. What happened? Start from the beginning. Of the week? Of this story. Oh, okay. We posted something on our Facebook page. Controversial. Co- yeah. And I I, I called you, it out first. If you so. back your car up in your spot, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> I just said dad. that we have strong feelings about it and we reserve the right to judge anyone. And then I saw someone do it today and I, and it, t- it was like a three-point turn they had to make to back up in. Like, what are you doing? That's Anyways. the bigger thing for me is that okay. I'm my dad does it. Yeah. And I'm fine with it because he is relatively quick with it. He used to be faster. He's older now. But yeah. he used to back up fire trucks into spots when he would go to the store and stuff. And so I'm more I'm more bummed out when people do it, but they're not good at it. So they take a lot longer. I just don't understand the point. We've had a lot of conversation, a lot of lively conversation about it on our Facebook page. And my favorite part about it was a woman. What's her name? Jody? Uh, Deb? De- uh, Allie? I'm going to look. Is it something with an I? We will never forget you. She is R911. She posted a really long thing. It was really thoughtful and great about backing in and combat mentality and blah, 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 all this stuff. Yeah. She she gave like a detailed yeah, she was very into three it. point comment. Yeah. Um, to which other people responded. And then she responded. Wait, what, am I missing the point? Who are Mike and Diana? <laughs> Someone referenced our names in one of their answers. And she goes, wait, who are Mike and Diana? And I was like, sister, I've been wondering that for a long time. I have something I want to say today before we get to your topic. 
Preach. I want to say um, that I read an article that was interesting. Cool. And it's on to the topic today. <laughs> you've kind of talked about this before a little bit in some ways, but... It's about the X-Men? No. No, it's about we may remember harms we've inflicted less readily than those we've suffered. So like if we've done a lot of things that have hurt other people, we're less likely to remember that and we're more likely to remember that other people have wronged us. Wait, the title sounds like the opposite of what you just said. Okay. Are we remembering pain we've inflicted better than what the... No, the opposite. So we're remembering times people are mean to us more than we're mean to people? Yes. Oh, it's interesting. I was thinking about the opposite. Okay, so in one study, participants recalled more recent instances of being harmed by others than of causing someone else harm. In subsequent studies, participants who remembered a single time when they had endured harm rated the task as easier than those asked to think about having caused harm. So like you remember it more in terms of frequency and in terms of intensity, times that you've been hurt. Oh, that makes sense. It's like a self-protective thing. They said the perceived intentionality of harmful acts, which victims rated as greater than offenders did, could help explain the effect. Makes sense. Speaking of which... It reminded me of when the other day you said, when we were driving, you said that like people, the the whole thing about people being in a rush and cutting someone off, we're more likely to attribute someone cutting us off to their personality characteristic. Versus our... Versus our... Conditions. Yeah. Mm. When's the first time you drove a car? Legally? Yeah. No. Like, like were you With my age? parents in the car or not? Well, did you ever drive before you were supposed to drive? So talk about that. I can't hear you because you're three <laughs> feet from the microphone. Talk uh, about it. Uh, once, not once, a bunch of times, and this is not that scandalous. I would sit on my parents' lap and work the steering wheel Gross. while they did the pedals. That's how I learned how to drive. They called it ghosting. <laughs> when you were 15. When I was, you sit on your yeah, it was really awkward because when I went in for the exam, I got nervous and I sat on the, uh, inst- <laughs> the, the tester's lap. He passed me though. I didn't even have to drive anywhere, so to sit there cool. for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and as I did that, I, I also remember one time, so like growing up, I had two friends that kind of lived close-ish to me, but they were both like a mile and a half from my house. And I was the house that was like lowest on the hill. And the person that was the farthest also had the least parental oversight and the most like stuff so that he had like dirt bikes and four wheelers and stuff that lit stuff on fire and bow and arrows and just like dangerous shit mm. we always wanted to hang out at this the, the house that we can like just do stupid stuff at but it was difficult to do i remember one day i got dropped off at the kid at the top of the hill's house but then the kid in the middle of us was like oh i want to come over too but like it's too hot out to come up there and so the amount of oversight is like alarming because his dad was asleep on the couch so we just like hopped in his dad's car we were probably like 12 or 13 and just like drove to the other kid's house and picked them up. But then I drove on the way back <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, we should probably like try to put the car back exactly where we left it. And the kid whose dad it was, he was like, he's not going to notice. And then I'd say it's like a super sad thing. Like his dad was probably like passed out drunk on the couch or something. Hmm. But I was just like, sweet, we can like sh- shoot off some fireworks in the middle of the day. <laughs> also, not super fun to shoot off fireworks in the middle of the day. You can't really see anything. No. Or like explode M80s. Did you ever do that? No, we would like find furniture on the side of the road and and then we would drag it back to his house and light it on fire. Oh, that was like college for me. Mm. Um, That's how advanced I was. I was doing college yeah, shit when I was yeah, like 13. Yeah. Um, cool. Did you drive a car before you can turn? Um, 
16? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had older siblings. So I think sometimes they'd let me drive. That's a crazy story. They were going to want to be cool. Like mm. The cool older sister. Did you sit on their lap? No, just uh, just all me. We should do this when we go to our friend Joel and Beth's house later. I will work the pedals and you can sit on my lap and work the steering wheel. It'll <laughs> probably be difficult. I think it's going to be hard. We'd have to sit really far back. Well, my legs aren't that long. Wait, I would... <laughs> You're the steering wheel. I'm the pedals. Okay. Why don't you just sit on the floor? And How I'll just small tell you, do you think I am? Saw you when break. No, that seems so we uncomfortable. We may die this week. All right, let's talk about our topic. We're psychologists, and we're going to talk about our topic. Okay. Ask me what the topic is. What is the topic? Be a little bit more excited about the topic. This just sounds angry. What is it? So, Diana, did you know that Americans are stressed out? Um, sh- sure. We're, I just read an article this morning that we're more stressed than we have been, and this, the amount of people saying things are stressing them out. Oh, that makes sense. Taking up. I mean, probably with the president. Well, current. it's funny that you said that because 56% of U.S. adults reported that the upcoming 2020 election is one of the biggest stressors in their life. Yeah, I bet. And they're, it's one of my biggest stressors. And they marked it as either they often worry about it or they always worry about it. I would, this, I would say, are you asking me? Yeah. What, on a scale of often worrying to always worrying, how much <laughs> worrying are you doing? I'm in the middle. Okay. So Anyways, I'm so stressed. You're stressed. We're all I'm stressed. I'm stressed. You're stressed. And there's been this big push on like looking for some sort of solace and support and this got me thinking about our role in in the in in society as you psychologists our, oh as psychologists as psychologists I not thought... as two hot married people yeah okay um so lately lately being the past like three or four years there's been this increasing push to diagnose or evaluate or explain right trump's behavior yeah or just in general like leaders behaviors. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's in it's way more so than it has been in the past historically mm. and also over the past year or so there, there has been not a parallel but like a, a comparable push a perpendicular a perpendicular a rhombozoidal uh push for, for things like oh we need like people should speculate on is joe biden developing dementia is bernie sanders mm. a robot old. is he old uh, i don't hate when people are like trying to diagnose age yeah it's like no yeah. come on are you a, a prof- medical professional are you a person at the carnival <laughs> i did you ever did you ever do that you go to the carnival and they guess your age weight yeah. or sex yeah yeah sex <laughs> no yeah i did it once i always win in the age one i won and lost one time because okay, they, they thought you were really old no it was the weight one mm. and the guy <laughs> so mean the guy underestimated and then the my weight was because when i was like younger and i was like really overweight he underestimated and so I like, got to win a prize. And then the guy on like the microphone, this is probably why I've been drawn to be on microphone just to avenge that guy, said, you win a prize. Also, some advice, lose some weight. Aww. And it, even if, it, in my mind, I was like, how old were you? I was like nine. It's like, fuck you, man. So every night I do some push-ups on my knuckles with a drawing of that guy. And I'm going to find him. Now as an adult, I'm like, he worked at a carnival. He, yeah. he, he was at the peak of his life. Yeah. Anyways, there's this interesting problem now. And the, the reason that why I really jumped on 
this whole idea is because I saw an article this morning that said this this psychiatrist from Yale is calling for Trump to be involuntarily admitted on a 72-hour hold after this assassination of the Iranian leader. And I was like, first of all, that doesn't make sense. Mm. But also, it's it really got me thinking about the Goldwater rule, which is what I want to talk about today. Oh, okay. I know what it is, but if you just, you can tell our listeners. Are you just going to just zone out you checked your watch as you said that. no because i got a text but um okay. no but i i want to make sure everyone including me knows what you're talking about yeah the psychologists and psychiatrists are barred from making general statements regarding the diagnosis or the fitness of a public figure this includes politicians mm. and originally the barring was on just making diagnoses but actually more recently it's been expanded to say that we can't comment at all in any psych terms on... Hmm, where'd that come from? I'll tell you where that came from, but we're going to... For someone named Goldberg. Goldstein. What did you think? Goldstein rule? It's the Goldwater rule. It was someone <laughs> named Gold Goldbergstein, but then to de-identify <laughs> it, they called it Goldwater. <laughs> Goldbergstein. So I want to read the original Goldwater uh, rule. Okay. Section 7 of the American Psychiatric Association Principles of Ethics. Okay. This is not the APA, but the APA. Yeah. What year was that? 1973. Okay. On occasion, psychiatrists are asked for an opinion on an individual who is in the light of public attention or who has disclosed information about himself or herself in public media. In such circumstances, a psychiatrist may share with the public his or her expertise on issues that are psychiatric in general. However, it is unethical for a psychiatrist to offer professional opinion unless he or she has conducted a, an examination and has been granted proper authorization to make a statement. So essentially okay. it's saying like you can comment in generality, but you can't say, I think this person is X, Y, and Z. What if you and I just comment to each other in our own house about people? So because of our podcast ethos of always be recording, technically we can't. <laughs> Psychologists have almost the exact same guidelines. So in 2016, the APA president, this is the American Psychological Association, mm-hmm. the APA, not the APA. Susan McDaniel, she published a letter in the, the New York Times saying that uh, psychologists should take precautions that any statements that they make to the media are based on their professional knowledge and training. And basically that you can't comment on the functioning of someone unless you talk to them directly but to whom like just to the media okay. so you can't okay. you so can't make a statement yeah so you can't make the statements i'm gonna stop calling our local news station and our local radio stations then because i basically call them every day you do every morning i when i'm getting ready i hear i hear you dialing on our <laughs> rotary phone and then you scream stop the presses got a hot tip mm-hmm Hey, hey over there. Hey over there. Hey, you're right. <laughs> you're a real Chopin' Charlie. You're a real looky loo. This just in. I think Trump is a pinko commie. <laughs> you know what I know? Tune in at nine. And they're like, first of all, how'd you get this number? So basically, we are barred from labeling or pathologizing behavior unless we've directly interacted with the person. On what level do we need to interact with the person? Do we need a full evaluation? So we need to be able to like talk to the person directly. Wait, but like, let's say you talk to them. Okay, so let's say I, I, mean, I don't, but let's say after five minutes of talking to someone, I'm like, oh, I know what's going on with them. And then I turn around to the media and I go, yeah, I can comment. I talked to them for five minutes. You've satisfied half of it. That person then needs to tell you, you can talk to the media. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's but, just but, but, yeah, but, yeah, that. But, yeah. If you got permission, so let's say 
Ron DeSantis, so the... Governor? Yeah, he's the governor. Let's say he publicly is like, yeah, I'll talk to a psychologist and I'll get evaluated by them and then they can say whatever they want. You just have to talk to him for a couple of minutes. If you feel like that's going to satisfy something, if... I mean, I feel like that's unethical just to yes. talk to someone for five minutes and give them a diagnosis. Yeah, that's a different problem, but but <laughs> you're not in the, the, the Goldwater problem anymore. Okay. So this came, came about 1964. There was a presidential candidate named... Barry Goldwater. Goldwater. Steenwater. Steenwaterberg. <laughs> he was an uber conservative Republican from Arizona. He drove Uber back yeah, he, then? He drove Uber back then. He actually started. I don't know where that was going to go. Okay. <laughs> Good one. And I have it. And then the chips came back up in my mouth. So he, he, he's running against Lyndon Johnson. Bell. Lyndon Blow Johnson. <laughs> Lyndon Johnson, Bell, IJB. Is it LBJ? Yeah. Hey, hey, LBJ. Yeah. Lyndon Blow Johnson. Is that where the big Johnson t-shirts come from? Yeah. After he, he <laughs> left office, he made the big Johnson company. <laughs> big Johnson's doing in the office. Did actually, did, have you heard anything about LBJ? Um, no. It, it's funny that you say that because he famously had a huge penis. What? And he would often, when he was like meeting with people he would often know this so because there's there's the, all these stories where he would like find ways to show people in meetings his penis I, no yeah are you so serious? He, yeah, yeah so he would like go skinny dipping with congressmen when he was like trying to negotiate it was like an intimidation factor because he's this huge man with a giant hog citation please i'll draw it for you we're gonna pu- we're gonna we're gonna post an article on facebook that proves that lbj whooped it out um and it was it was presidential so anyways, 1964, there's a there's a controversial magazine called Fact, okay. and they had a special issue in the months leading up to the election. The issue is called The Unconscious of a Conservative, a special issue on the mind of Barry Goldwater. So an entire magazine issue all about Barry Goldwater mm. and how crazy he was. The magazine pulled psychiatrists. They mailed stuff out to like 12,000 psychiatrists. Of those, 2,000 wrote back. Of those, 1,189 said that he was unfit to be president. And they would got to like write in why they thought that. That's such a self-selecting sample, though. Well, I'm not... This isn't like a research article. No, no, article. I know, I know, I know. But yeah. whatever. So, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So, some of the psychiatrists said things like, I believe Goldwater is suffering from psychosis. Another one said he's schizophrenic. And so... That seems dangerous. Yeah. So, Fact, the magazine, they published these results. They published the writings. And they say like, See, he can't be president. All these doctors are diagnosed him as psychotic. Do you want to say? I know you're putting lotion on your hands, but it sounds like you're masturbating. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Why don't you Why don't you do some foil work right there and let the fans know what it sounds like when you put lotion on your hands? Well, now it's all. Oh, those are dry hands. Yeah. Those are freshly moistened hands yeah. now. Okay, sorry. I'll put them under the table. Okay, so uh, yeah. So published. So they published it. Goldwater then through unbelievable events wins the presidency oh no (laughs) (laughs) the look of confusion (laughs) i was like did something happen like what and then i realized you were just i was i was i wanted to see how strongly you would agree with that no he lost it is like the biggest one of the biggest landslides uh he got 38 percent of the vote he only won six states johnson was a big johnson on that day and he one. So Goldwater then sues the magazine and wins $75,000. That's Five, it? $525,000 in two-day money. That doesn't seem like a lot. No. He actually won $1 
in damages and then on principle the other the rest of the money there's like two do you sue them for a libel mm-hmm. you said that and like i think you don't know for sure maybe look <laughs> no it's okay okay shortly after that well a few years after that the apa the apa they responded saying okay this is bad this this influenced an election we don't have really good data showing if this influenced the election or not, to be completely honest, because I, I don't think they did any analysis looking at, like, who read the magazine and did that sway votes? But anyways, the APA came out saying, this is bad. We have this rule now. You can't do that. You can't make a mm-hmm. diagnosis. But now we're in a new world, Diana. That was 60s? That was the 60s. That was 64. 60 years ago. 60 years later. It's 2020. I can see clearly now... It's 2020. I know. Do you get it? Well, it's I like just, vision. Yeah, it's gonna get old. It's already old. I know. I've heard already three people say that. Whom? I've already heard it. Who? You've not Call heard them. people say. Oh, no, it's no one said it. Vision. No one. No one said it. Oh, it's it. 2020 vision. Who says that? That's stupid. I weaved it in seamlessly. What do you refer to the years 2000 to 2009? The aughts. You you say that? Yeah. Do most people? Mm-hmm. What do you say? The zeros? I say the singles. I say. Let me tell you some information about the years two thousand to two thousand nine. Okay, that's how you always refer to them. No, I don't know. I don't okay. refer to them. I, that's the best thing. It's kind of like when you don't it's know. Like, if you don't know a person's name, you just don't re- you just don't use it. Same thing with I this. Go, yeah, when I introduce those years to someone, I go, "Oh, hey, have you met my friend?" Yeah, exactly. And they, oh, you guys introduce each other. Yeah, I say, you "Oh, have you listen. met my friend, Steve?" And they're like, "Steve, I'm the aughts. So, well, m- yesterday this came up because we were talking about kids bop, mm. which I didn't know about. Yeah, where where have you been? You- I don't know. I mean, because well. I think the first one came out in 2000, we decided. 2001. Yeah. I had graduated from college. So, like, why would I know about Kids Bob? Why would I know about Kids Bob? Because you were younger. Yeah, I wasn't listening to it. It was on TV all the time. (laughs) Wait, what? On what channel? It was a commercial. It was Now That's What I Call Music and then Kids Bob. I know Now That's What I Call Music, but I didn't know Kids Bob. Have you ever said that organically in life? Like, oh, Now That's What I Call Music. Probably. I say that at concerts a lot. (laughs) Yell it. Um, I'm going to start yelling, that's Kids Bob. Anyways, it, we we got into a little discussion last night about when Kids Bop started, and then we went back. It started in two thousand one, and then I didn't know how to refer to that period of time where they got started. So, anyways, back to the present. The Goldwater Rule has been under a lot of scrutiny for the past three and a half years, mm. partially because we have a president who's worrisome, and I can say that as a psychologist because he worries me. <laughs> and I'm not saying anything about his mental state. I'm saying about my my, your own, mental my state. own my your mental state. I have depression and anxiety as a result of the worrisome nature of our president I, can i say that yeah okay i can also say in generalities that after the election results came in i did have a like a, a very large uptick in people that were seeking therapy yeah. for like increased panic and yeah. anxiety it was a lot of it was unfortunate it was a lot a lot of women a lot of minorities and a yeah. lot of pe- like uh, people are genuinely uh, scared lgbtq like p- people who are easily marginalized yeah so anyways um trying a new podcast voice uh psychiatrists uh grouped together a couple of years ago and they wrote to the 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 new york times basically decrying that they are barred from making any comment on the president and so they're basically saying that like they are uniquely qualified and i'm gonna lump psychologists into it too because i feel like we're uniquely qualified if not more so i would say we're more qualified well we are more trained in assessment and diagnosis yeah and so anyways 
That's yeah. not here nor there. So they wrote this huge op-ed and they had people sign on to it. At the same time, there was a psychiatrist from Yale named Brandy Lee. They wrote a letter after Trump made that huge comment about the fire and fury about North Korea. And if they don't do this, I'm going to shave paradise and put up a parking lot. Brandy Lee wrote a letter to Congress saying he is unwell. He's unfit. We, you mm-hmm. need to act. Mm-hmm. It, surprisingly it got ignored do you think that dermatologists have to have a pact about not commenting on the president too i feel like with dermatologists you you can just look at it though you can look at the skin Um, you don't have to talk to the skin what about like his health i i I, again i feel like it's if there is a barring if the ama has a barring it's absurd because that letter that his quote-unquote doctor that looks like the the monopoly man wrote the one that said he's the most fit person i've ever seen like you eyes would tell you that he's not diana has left the table she's so upset so uh, this is a solo podcast now okay welcome back i'm back good job thanks but yeah, so I, I don't think they're barred but i do know that like I, I feel like this is partially why this is such an infuriating type thing because historically presidents have undergone ex- evaluations through the navy like the the they, they go to um, the Naval Hospital in D.C., Walter Reed. Yeah. And they will release, like, th- their physical. And they'll, like, when Obama was president, we, like, we knew every time his blood pressure, like, went up at all. And so I feel like... But in the past, don't you think that there's been presidents who have, like, had medical episodes that we didn't know about? Roosevelt. Oh, you say Roosevelt? Yeah. I say Roosevelt. Um, we're not talking about the same one. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he was, like, very severely ill and no one knew. Which what, what, and what I think the thing is now that it's not even just keeping it, but it's releasing false or just really bizarre stuff. Yeah, which it just feels trolling. I feel like the, all this relief is is like trolling and distraction. That's not the point. Brandy Lee, she wrote a letter. It got ignored. She wrote a letter to the New York Times. Whatever. Um, so then she started going to these high-profile psychologists and psychiatrists trying to gain strength because a lot of people were not joining her cause because sure. she was basically they don't want to be unethical right and she was she was basically calling for the apa to change the goldwater rule no one wanted to be the first person to be like hey let's get rid of this rule and then they their careers kind of screwed but i don't i mean yeah but i don't even know again i think that the point should be that other people are allowed to come up with whether or not a person of interest has a diagnosis or not i think that maybe if we're going to change anything, it should be that the person has to undergo an independent psych eval. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, well, and that this is something that I lost my mind over because he, he claimed that he did. Right. Oh, and he's the smart. He, he claimed say? that he did. And he said that his doctor said that he did ex- exceedingly well and he's extremely mentally fit. He was given the MOCA. Yeah. The, the MOCA is the Montreal Cognitive Assessment. Yeah. And so essentially it is out of 30... And basically, it's either you pass or you have... It's a screener. It's a screener for dementia. And if you don't get 100, you likely have dementia. It's like, can you identify a camel upon sight? Can you do very basic math in your head? Can you draw a clock? It's not an IQ test. He was talking about it as if it was an IQ test and he was a genius. And it it wasn't. So that was something where I got my my soapbox about that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we still have the soapbox. And so uh, she started going around and... I think Brandy Lee is a she. They Brandy Lee started going around and looking for higher profile psychologists that really had nothing to lose. Mm. Um, 
and found an ally in a big name psychologist who had nothing to lose and the, an ego that felt like he had nothing to lose. Hmm. Who's, who's one of the most narcissistic psychologists we know? Not personally, but I talk about him as like a huge narcissist. Freud. Yes. <laughs> she got Freud out of retirement. He was in the woods chopping wood in front of his cabin. And she goes, we need you for one more. And he was like, just this one time. And then he puts his shirt back on because, yeah, he was shirtless. Um, I don't know who Zimbardo. Oh yeah, yeah. Philip yeah. Zimbardo. He is the man behind the Stanford Prison Experiment, mm-hmm. which has since been like questioned. Yes, that, that's an upcoming episode once I complete his book. But his book is difficult to read because he's very narcissistic. You're not allowed to say that. He, his language is very narcissistic mm-hmm. in nature, and uh, yeah, he makes he makes a lot of claims in his books about who he knows and his, his self-importance. And so it makes a lot of sense that when she went to him, Zimbardo's like, of course you need me. I can do this. And so a number of psychiatrists got together and wrote this book called The, the, the Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, where they basically break the Goldwater Rule collectively hmm. in giving diagnoses. And- so Zimbardo, Lee, and all, a bunch of other people. Yeah, I think, I think Zimbardo's on. I know that he participated in the new york times letter and i think he's part of that book after all this went down the apa expanded the rules originally it was just saying you can't diagnose but now it's saying you can't comment at all publicly Mm. as your profession so Mm -hmm. like if how'd they get this word out because i'm not sure i got the memo oh whoops (laughs) uh so so let's say (laughs) let's say you were being interviewed by like the tampa bay times Mm -hmm. and as an aside you're like as a psychologist and then you offer a diagnosis or you just say like i think i think this person is crazy somebody reading that can go to the ethics board report you and you could lose your license because it's technically a gold water well, violation i mean let's be okay let's briefly let's talk about what happens if you get an ethics violation mm-hmm. you probably won't lose it but you'll no. be you, you'd be so, censured so possibly okay so here's the thing about licensure you're licensed in a state right so each state you practice in you have to have a license in that state and there's not always reciprocity between states if someone has a complaint against you um, and you're a person with a license it's different for me with the bcba the the board certified behavior analyst it's a certificate so it's it's a it's a national certificate program, or it's actually international. So the board investigates the na- national and international claims. But statewide, if you're licensed, the complaint goes to the state. So you can make a complaint, but there are usually, I would say, unless it's egregious, the most common form of repercussion is like a reprimand, reprimand, and a, like a letter and a reprimand. Well, there's six possible outcomes of an ethics complaint and this isn't just a goldwater thing this is all this is for psychologists this is for psychologists so this could be for an ethical thing that that could include something like this like the goldwater thing this could be if your psychologist is found to be intentionally or you think they're intentionally incorrectly billing you or they break your confidentiality or anything like that it could be dropped so when an ethics complaint goes in, there's an investigation. Actually, the in most states, I know Maryland, if you're being investigated, the provider doesn't have to be told they're being investigated. Mm. And if it gets dropped, they never find out. And so if you have a complaint against you that was unfounded, you'll never find out about that. Mm. Which is, in a way, it's nice because you don't have to, like, stress, out about don't have to it. stress out about it. Um, you could be reprimanded, which is basically just like, do not do that. Yeah. Censured, which I don't really know what that means. 
What is a censure? It's just like sh- shut down, like told not to talk about it at all. Okay. Um, you could be ex- expelled or your your membership is voided. That's like really extreme. Yeah, that's really extreme. Um, you could be encouraged to resign. Wow. So that's better than expelled, but not as it looks better if you voluntarily give up your license than if you're if it's taken away from you. Because I think some states you can still get a different license. If you're expelled, you're expelled from everywhere, basically. Mm-hmm. Or you, you can go on probation. So you get a period of time. Yeah. I would imagine if the only way it would be higher than a, a reprimand, if you break the gold water, is if it's found to be like influential. Mm. If you, you made this statement in the Tampa Bay Times and it takes off, and then the next day, all these polls show that there's a huge sway in, in public opinion because apparently you're an influencer. Um, <laughs> Then, then that's a thing. Did I tell you that I had a 10-year-old who um, I asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up and he told me an influencer? That's adorable. <laughs> Depressing at the same time. I know. But that's like a legitimate job that kids are now like... Contemplating. It used, used to be like firefighter, astronaut. Yeah. Now it's influencer. Influence. Yeah, it's so stupid. That's crazy, right? I, I, I was like... I, w- I had a really confused look on my face, I think, because I was like, is he like messing with me or is he serious? I mean, like, he's totally serious. I feel like that's, that's the telltale of like the late stage of a society. It's like people are <laughs> aspiring to do nothing. I want to be not paid- nothing. You've got to take a lot of pictures. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it also, to me, it seems like a depressing life. Like I've seen people who like when we go down to the river, go running and there's the people that are like in photo shoots, like they're all trying to be influencers and it's just like. For what? Come yeah. on. Do well, something. people want them to sell things. Create something. Like a podcast. <laughs> and so in in this whole case, the one of the reasons I brought it up is I'm interested in your take on it. Mm-hmm. Their argument, the psychiatrist and psychologist's argument of why the Goldwater rule is actually unethical is because it's in conflict with a different ethical standard among psychologists and psychiatrists. Protect. The Tarasoff oh, case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this one. What, what do you know about the Tarasoff? Actually, I know a lot. It came from California. What? What? <laughs> Home state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why we go back there so often, just to pay our homage to... Terrasoft. This was... Okay, so before Terrasoft, we had... Microsoft. We had a duty to keep um, folks safe in in this situation where they were going to kill themselves. Yeah. It didn't have a nice ring to it, though. A little wordy. You had to report the client told me that they were being abused if they were younger than a certain age or older than a certain age, elderly abuse. Or a person of special needs that yes, can't take care yes, of themselves. Yes, 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 absolutely. So if someone was harming them or if they were going to harm themselves, yeah. right? So they, they told me they were going to kill themselves, right? So I'd have to. So Tarasoff happened because, correct me if I'm wrong, but someone told their therapist that they were going to kill someone. And the therapist, because that wasn't yet covered, I can't remember if the therapist did something and was reprimanded because that wasn't covered or if the therapist did nothing because they weren't allowed to warn the person. So uh, quick highlights of this not highlights that's a f- kind of fucked up way to say it. there was a student at uc berkeley oh yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah okay, so sorry. he he fell in love with a woman named tatiana tarasov mm-hmm. they briefly dated but they had different ideas about what the relationship would be he thought it was going to be more serious than she did so she basically like got her distance he started stalking her then basically she kept being like 
stop stalking me. So then he had an emotional crisis. He was having very bizarre interactions with her. So he was meeting with her. He was tape recording the conversations. It was it was kind of a, a sketchy scene. So during the summer of 69, which is what the song's about, Tarasov <laughs> went to South America. After her departure, this person started seeing a psychologist, Dr. Lawrence Moore, at the UC Berkeley Memorial Hospital. The individual told the therapist he was going to kill Tarasov. So I guess he wasn't doing that much better. The doctor requested that the campus police detain this person, and he told the police he he believed in his professional opinion this patient yeah, had schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I... Yeah, okay. And so the, the psychologist recommended that he, he be uh, committed against his will. The patient was detained, but then was released thereafter. Dr. Moore's supervisor, Dr. Paulson, then ordered that the patient not be detained anymore more or detained again so basically right, he was like, it wasn't part of confidentiality rules. right because basically broke confidentiality yeah. in october tarasov returned the patient stopped seeing a psychologist neither tarasov nor her parents were aware that there was the threat that mm. this patient was going to kill her mm-hmm. uh the patient then befriended tarasov's brother and several weeks later he carried out the plan stabbing and killing tarasov yeah her parents sued the doctor and various other employees at the university um, the patient was convicted of murder, uh, but the conviction was later appealed and overturned on the ground um, of of, a, of uh, the the of jury instructions, like a technicality. Actually, the guy was eventually sent back to his home country as a condition that they won't retry him. Oh. It's kind of fucked up. Going back to what you were saying, because you were you were you were one hundred percent correct. I was just adding color to it. Yeah, I guess um, it's that it's the duty to warn, but it uh, but from what you're saying too, it's. It's not only like, hey, um, me as a psychologist having to let someone know that there's a threat against them, but it's obviously including the police and like letting the vic- potential victim know, hey, this is what's going on and yeah. you should take uh, precautions. Uh, uh, there's a credible threat against mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that's, and that, I think that's a big point too with the Tarasov stuff because I hear threats against people a lot mm-hmm. and often they're not credible. Mm-hmm. Like people will say they're going to, kill some huge public figure right but it's like oh this person lives in a different state and you have no means of getting there and blah 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 blah. blah. well yeah i mean in schools you have to do threat assessments all the time it's it's kind of out of control especially now with um school shootings because like if a kid says anything now it's like immediate like team threat assessment situation because everyone and rightfully so i mean people get really scared if a kid says I'm going to kill you like to yeah. his teacher. Exactly. Exactly. Because there have been kids that have said that and then yeah. have done it. Yeah. So anyways, these psychiatrists, they, they bring up Tarasov and they say, we have a duty to warn if we believe there's credible harm. And they're basically saying that they believe the harm is on a large global scale. And so they feel but like, but again, that's a person who's treating. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a psychologist or a psychiatrist who's treating someone. That's a confidentiality clause. Like, right? That's I I understand what they're saying. I mean, they're I get it, but it, again, it's more. I think the effort should be more in line with like mandatory psyche eval. Yes, I think especially for pe- people in like leadership roles, having having that like competency evaluation mm-hmm. but yeah so but i think that's an interesting yeah it is attempt that they're trying to get around it with but i, I completely agree with you because i feel like the crux of the goldwater rule is that you have to talk to the person yeah. first and this is saying well i have a duty to warn the nation if i feel like they're under threat but you've never 
interacted you've only interacted through this like right. multi-layered lens especially something like the president like f- i mean and this is this is not me defending the president but he is acting in a certain way partially influenced by people around him partially through his own means and then that is through a filter of the press release that is through a filter of the media and then you're getting this and, and so it's like yes it might seem like there's a danger but at the same time placing some diagnosis is like Seems risky, mm-hmm. but it's, it's it's interesting. So a lot of people have uh, have been pushing for a modified Goldwater because apparently there's been more and more mental health professionals that are basically saying like we're gagged, we have a professional opinion, and we want to be able to give it. It's I, it's messy. I I yeah. I unfortunately kind of feel both ways about it because I do feel like I don't think I don't think a psychologist psychiatrist should ever give a diagnosis without the proper data and information. But I feel like there are certain I feel like there should be the ability to like I, I don't know it's it's hard. No, for I think me. it should go through other channels. That's the only thing I'm thinking. Like, okay, let's say you have because you're like, okay, this guy. What I'm trying to think of what you could even say like has psychotic. There's some psych- psychosis going on or like something related to like the. I, like, I don't know. Let's say he were to come out and start saying, like, aliens possess me and I've been told to do yeah. this and that. And, like, that's, yeah, that's really different. And I, and it, yes. like, is going to affect the public much differently. Yes. This woman saying Trump is ordering this, assa- he ordered this assassination. He needs to be committed. It's like, I don't agree with the, the thing. I do think it's a very risky thing that happened but we don't know all the right. details no, and yeah right exactly and, and so i think that's it is and that's why I, I definitely feel like instead of a blanket stop i think there needs to be some sort of like yeah, it, like it's giving a, a lot of power to people who just don't have any interaction with you yes and i feel like a very strict goldwater rule gives a ton of power to people that aren't professional because if you're if you if you're not an actual psychiatrist or psychologist you're like a counselor you're a spiritual advisor whatever you are and you're like oh he's schizophrenic and that's the story that perpetuates technically we can't say that they don't have that diagnosis either we can't comment whatsoever so it's like it's taking the professionals out of it and so it's it's more of like a media construct i don't know i mean there's just so much to i I don't this is so much to unpack because i don't um, I, know, I kind of feel bad that we wasted so much time talking about Taco Bell chips. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I just worry about on a large scale being able to say things about people that we've never yeah. met with, and I uh, the repercussions of that, and the political agenda of that, and the yeah, because because I feel like in the ideal world, if someone were to break the Goldwater rule, it is for the common good, but we don't live in the ideal world and it seems way too easy to be like a political weapon. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like with, with Joe Biden, who I like Joe Biden. I, he's not my favorite candidate, but, I, but I think it would be very easy for any, a conservative psychologist, psychiatrist to say, given Joe Biden's speech patterns, he has dementia. Like mm-hmm. you've never talked to him, never done the testing, but it'd be easy to say it. And then guess who is no longer, a viable candidate like it can really like wreck someone's some someone's chances based on nothing so i definitely think that the rule is good but i think there should be some guidelines for 
what or how can you give information or interpretations? Yeah, I think there could be like a reporting place that you could call up and be like, hey, I have some serious concerns. Not like, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't really have an answer. Yeah. I haven't thought this through, but, but it does worry me to give people carte blanche to make claims about other people. Yeah, I don't think that we should revoke the Goldwater rule. I think that we should, it should be loosened. I definitely think it should stand that we, we can't give diagnoses. I think we should be able to give interpretations. What about the difference between me as a psychologist and me as a citizen? I think if you, that's difficult, but I think if you were... If I was like, I'm really concerned about this guy's behavior. So if like you're in the media, yeah. if you called into like Fox and Friends and said, I'm really concerned about his behavior, it seems like he's deteriorating. Yeah. If you don't identify yourself, yourself or say like as a psychologist or in my professional opinion, um, it's kind of the same thing as... The, the the Hatch Act. I don't know what that is. So the Hatch Act is the Hatchimals Act. Yeah, the the Hatchimals Act, which is like a Tamagotchi. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's the act that says a federal employee uh, can't use their office to influence a candidate for an election. So, like, if I were working in a government agency, mm-hmm. I as myself can vote contribute i can even like write a letter to the paper saying why x candidate is better than y candidate but i can't say dr mike fbi agent supporting this person like i can't give my title and i can't do any of that while i'm at work like have stickers on your car yeah yeah that's actually like apparently a big thing at government agencies like you're you're like if someone complains that you have a candidate sticker in your car like you will have to leave work until you remove it Mm. Um, so, so for you, like, if you were to say Diana says this, like, you're fine. But if you say Doctor Diana says this, then <laughs> it's it's a different it's a different problem. All right. So yeah, so I I, I think it's an interesting i it's an interesting problem because yeah, it, that was a great topic. It's getting the reason I wanted to bring it up to so if if you've made it to the end, here's why I was thinking about it. It's because I feel like the Goldwater Rule historically hasn't been super tested up Mm -hmm. until recently and now more and more and more quickly and quickly it is getting tested where and and by tested i mean professionals are speaking out or Mm -hmm. are venturing guesses and basically waiting to see if they will get a complaint or if the apa will Hmm. act against them it's i think it's an interesting thing because i feel like we might get to a boiling point where something's going to have to happen or a redefinition or an enforcement's going to have to happen because we have this rule but it seems like it's not super being enforced and people are slowly starting to push against it and see really how much action will be taken for it hmm. um so it's just it's just if it comes up in the, the media i want people to know a little bit of the background and kind of the pros and cons of the cold water rule hmm. cool i wonder what other countries do in terms of their psychologists that's a great question thank you if you're listening and you're in another country or you've lived in another country and you're aware of a version of the Goldwater Rule, please, please, please email us, rev.psychcast at gmail.com, or just give us a comment on Facebook and let us know. I think that's a really cool thing. Like, how are other countries handling it? I definitely feel like, and this, might, this is probably biased, just the little bit of information I get, but I feel like in the UK, like, their their media is, like, seems harsh. Yeah. So I feel like there probably isn't any Goldwater Rule. It's just, like, Doc says he's a loony. Yeah, I wonder what's going on in Brazil with the Maduro that dude. That's not. That's no, not that's Venezuela. Venezuela. No, the guy, the the guy who was elected in Brazil recently, who oh, yeah. um, is like really homophobic and says terrible things about women. Oh yeah, 
as a psychologist, I'm going to say he's an asshole. Yeah. Can someone from another country write yeah. in? Yeah. I, for one, I don't think this podcast is going to influence a future Brazilian election. Well, I don't know. Do you? If you're in Brazil, it, and feel free to p- put my name on it. He's an asshole. <laughs> I would love to see a bunch of signs that say, Dr. Mike and Dr. Diana think you're an asshole. I didn't say it. But we're married. We, we share opinions now. <laughs> We are one. I speak for you. In my vows, I said that your opinions are now my opinions, and this is what I meant. You said I was perfect in my vows, in your vows. Mm-hmm. In, in, in my, your vows. <laughs> in the vows I wrote for you, you said I was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so romantic. All right, I gotta go. Uh, we are at the end, so I love, I you. love you. Bye. Bye. these groups um for bald men uh, men who are parents like um who want to learn how to do their kids hair their daughter's hair it's really cute cute. and they teach them like how to braid and stuff and then they like connect with other dads and whatever can i go despite not having any children probably not weird or hair i just go in with a pillow with a bunch of hair on top of it (laughs) (laughs) this is my child a real doll child I feel like if I showed up with a child, a real doll, <laughs> they would probably have to call the police on me. Um, all right. This guy's a pedo. I'm not a pedo, by the way. I should have I should What's have said a pedo? that. A pedo. A pedophile.